0: Grace Full, the podcast. Welcome to Grace in Full. My name is Nick, and today we get to sit down with Jeff Parsons, who serves our local community here in Amarillo through the nonprofit organization Mission Amarillo. Just a quick big thank you to faithcast.com for putting us on their directory. If you want other great Christian podcasts from politics and sports to sermons, check out faithcast.com, podcast to help you keep the faith. just introduce what mission Amarillo is, uh, who you are. And, um, I know you're the founder, like it started with you, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. My name is Jeff Parsons and I'm the executive executive director of mission Amarillo. Um, we started off actually as an apartment ministry of the Amarillo area Baptist association. I was a volunteer college minister for a church I was going to at the time and took a college group down to mission Arlington. And, um, uh, on returning from that, I felt like God told me that Amarillo needed, uh, an apartment ministry and I had no idea how I was going to do it, but what it turned out to be is a lot of divine, uh, intervention, uh, divine plan of God. Uh, there was a gentleman here that was the head of the High Plains Christian Ministries Foundation at the time, a guy named mm-hmm. Tim Holloway, who had attempted to, st- uh, to start an apartment ministry twice before and, uh, both attempts failed. And so when I told him I wanted to do something like that, uh, they were able to give us the startup funds to get us started. Yeah. And then uh, for the next nine and a half years, we worked as part of the Amarillo area Baptist association. And our goal was to get churches to adopt apartment communities and begin um, Bible studies in those communities. And uh, these were all affordable housing communities. Uh, Everyone was living below the poverty line. And at one time we were on 17 properties in the Amarillo area. Mm -hmm. Um, through that nine and a half years, uh, <clears throat> we begin to see a lot of needs. We did some Christmas projects and some back to school projects. And then, uh, we kept hearing a need for shoes. And in 2010, we started our shoe closet. Yeah. And, um, uh, and it didn't take us long doing that shoe closet. We thought we might give away two, 300 shoes a year. Well, we gave away that much in the first, um, month and a half of the shoe closet. Wow. And it, Made us realize in a hurry that the need for shoes was going to go beyond uh, what the uh, typical what the Baptist churches in the Amarillo Area Baptist Association could keep us in, mm-hmm. and uh, so we we spun off as a five hundred one c three, and um, in November of two thousand ten uh, became uh, Amarillo Mercy Ministries, doing business as Mission Amarillo. Yeah. And uh, for the next five years, we did apartment ministry, some uh, some Christmas and back to school stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, the shoe closet gave away plenty of shoes, over 5000 shoes in those first five years. Wow. And uh, we've given away over 11000 pairs of shoes today. But um, uh, about five years ago, we uh, just felt like God was giving me a sense of unrest with the apartment ministry. They were starting to kind of fizzle out. And part of the reason was, was because the residents were so transient. They'd be there for six months and move on somewhere else. So about the time that the people doing the ministry established a relationship, they would be gone. And we thought, what is something we could do that's more long term? I had a friend that was doing some of the apartments for us, and he started a 501c3, similarly named to us. It's called Mission 2540. And Brooks started doing that, Brooks Boyette. He started doing that. And so we gave our apartments to him, and we transitioned to mentoring. And we yeah. started three mentoring programs that we do today. Um, we did one uh, for young men ages eighteen to twenty five called Driven, uh, where we give them a car. Uh, we take them through some ministry, they some mentoring, and once they complete that, they make a down payment on a car uh, between three and nine hundred dollars. Uh, we give them the car if they complete some min- mentoring after they receive the car. Then they get their down payment back, so they get the car for free. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, that one we've actually. Are look, we're transitioning from it to another project that we'll be ready to announce in the spring, mm-hmm. uh, kind of enhancing that a little bit. Uh, and then we've got two others, uh, one called Beloved for Teen Moms. Yeah. Uh, we partnered with uh, area social workers and uh, uh, counselors of the area schools and uh, came up with an outline for a curriculum to take Teen Moms through. And uh, then we, some of us sat down and wrote it. And it's about a 51, 52 week curriculum. And uh, we basically take, assign a mentor to these uh, teen moms and we take them through uh, this mentoring. And they basically come, we walk with them until they're in their 20s, until they don't want to do it anymore, basically. And our wow. goal for them is to get them on a career path mm-hmm. and um, to be independent of, uh, to be able to be financially independent to where they don't have to depend on a man. Cause a lot of times they bring a man in their life for protection and provision. Once they get pregnant again, the man leaves, and now they've got two kids and three kids, and that's yeah. kind of exasperates the problem. And so, our goal there is to make them put them on a career path and give them some independence. And of course, we're communicating the gospel throughout this. Then we have another program called Parent Child Plus that um, is a. Uh, it's based on the fact that children in poverty hear thirty million less words spoken to them uh, between the ages of two and four than someone middle class or upper middle class that impacts their ability to acquire vocabulary and therefore to learn. Right. And so um, we go in, we take a developmental toy one week, we take a book the next, we have home visitors that go into their home twice a week. And it's a national program. We're the first in the state of Texas to implement it. And if uh, uh, a child who completes uh, two years parent child plus, they'll get 92 visits over two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 30% more likely to graduate high school than their socioeconomic peers. And fifty uh, percent less likely to need some level of special education. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a big thing for us. We we we've got about uh, between uh, seventeen and twenty kids that go through it a year. We've got we have seventeen on our roster for this coming year, two year program. We'll take all those kids through that. So, in a nutshell, that's kind of Mission Amarillo, uh, where we began and what we're currently doing. Currently, right now, we're a shoe closet. Uh, beloved, and Parent Child Plus, and uh, we're going to have a. Uh, we're kind of like I say, we're revamping. Driven is going to turn into something totally different. Sure, that we're working on, and we'll be ready to announce that in the spring.
0: Yeah, it's a very hands-on, practical uh, ministry. Not so much of I, I think it. It started the apartment ministry was like a like gospel reaching out program type of deal to that those communities, and now it's grown into something that is actually physically helping uh i I guess you'd call it under underprivileged or or, you know below the poverty line people Mm -hmm. which uh amarillo I, i there's a lot of it's a huge need uh do you um i see that you guys post like uh the um donations given from the shoe closet is it through churches or is it all through just uh annual drives that you guys have or how does that shoe closet work for it
1: it's really a little of everything. Um, a lot of churches collect shoes for us. We just had a church give us 230 pairs of shoes mm-hmm. uh, back in August. Uh, but then Baptist St. Anthony's Hospital here in town uh, just gave us uh, 130 pairs of shoes yeah. uh, <clears throat> just a couple weeks ago. And so we have a lot of – there's individuals. We had a, a couple sent us a Facebook message say, uh, what what sizes do you need most? And I sent it to them, and they showed up with 30 pairs of shoes. Wow. Uh, so the community has kept us in shoes. That's one of the fascinating things about the shoe closet. Mm-hmm. We've given away over 11,000 pairs of shoes since its inception in 2010. Yeah. And I've never budgeted a dime for it.
0: Uh, wow. The community
1: keeps me in shoes. Yeah. And we have a little over $4,000 in a reserve fund that the community has donated. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we do our fundraisers and we do the things that we have to do as a nonprofit to keep the, the money coming in, uh, none of that money goes to the shoe closet because it doesn't have to. Yeah. So it's a pretty fascinating thing the the way it's worked out and how God just continues to provide for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's one thing we do that really um, none of our money goes to, uh, yeah. just because the community keeps that going. They, the The money we raise through fundraisers and things like that goes keeps our, our our other programs running.
0: Yeah, and and as great as like church ministry is, it has a. a it's a, there's a place for it. This is something that is like uh, a totally different view. I I, I see as like spreading the gospel or being able to show it's a real, real, uh, real world example of showing the gospel to people, you know, whereas, I mean, I would have never thought of shoes. Um, When I first found Mission Amarillo, I was like, oh, wow, shoes, that's something that's you just don't think about and the kids not having shoes. I, I didn't grow up that way. I mean, I grew up with hand-me-downs, but I didn't grow up thinking kids not being able to, you know, their parents not being able to afford shoes. And, um, I think that's something that's just a awesome, uh, I mean, door right there. I mean, I know that the website says you guys work with the school districts here. Um, how close is that? Is it just, a I mean, do, do they find students for you guys that like that need shoes or, um,
1: the way we do it, um, there's kind of a fine line when you do, when you do this type of ministry, you have to always be very cognizant of the fact that the people who are receiving it are created in God's image and for his glory, just like we are. Yep. Yeah. And so honoring that God given dignity, uh, becomes quite a priority for us. Oh yeah. And so you're, you're trusting that God is going to work through it, and uh, honestly, the shoes is probably something that has the least, um, the least impact as far as communicating the gospel to people. Sure, uh, because the way it works is that I go uh, a school counselor, social worker says I need a girl size two uh, at Alice Landergan School, and so I go pull a girl size two from our shoe closet put it in a bag and deliver it. and I just drop it off in the office. I never see the child or. Anything. Sure, And it's the reason th- we do that is because we want to honor that God given dignity. That child already has a relationship with that social worker yep. or with that counselor. And so it doesn't feel quite as embarrassing. They don't feel like a project. They don't feel like something like that. Yeah. And a lot of those, a lot of our social workers in town, our counselors are Christian people. And so it's kind of given them an opportunity. We're, we're, we're serving as a resource for them to communicate the gospel and show the love of Christ to people by the shoes because the kids, they don't know it comes from mission Amarillo. They just know that my my counselor got me shoes and she's a Christian lady, you know? And so that, that's kind of the way we approach it uh, through the shoe closet is uh, we're not uh, really looking to communicate the gospel through that. We're more of a resource for our school counselors and social workers to do that.
0: Yeah. Which is, and um, that's why I'm, I was going at is like, it's very practical, very hands-on, very, it's not going to, you know, here, let me give you a, a nice little gesture and uh, a gospel track. It's no uh, strings attached. Here's some shoes, which is a really mm-hmm. awesome, I think that's just a, like you said, it's a really awesome resource that you're able to do. And like you said, no money out of pocket. It's just, thankfully, God has been able to bless you guys to be able to just say, here, here's some shoes and hand them out to people that need them. And then on the flip side, your your other more personal mentoring programs um you know it, it seems like a you know a discipleship i don't know i was going to ask you is it is it um mentoring in terms of personality as as far as being like for the driven is it just mentoring young men to grow up into men or is it more of a christian counseling mentoring
1: well <clears throat> both, but the way that we look at it, most of the people that are in our programs are not believers. Yeah. And so we've adopted a philosophy that a lot of missionaries have adopted over the years. And that is that discipleship precedes conversion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we believe that we are teaching people what it looks like to follow Jesus, Jesus, by the way we live our lives, by the way we work, by the way we live, by the way we play. And, um, you know, um, I follow an organization called Forge America, and their mission statement is to declare the rule and reign of Christ in every everyday spaces of life. Yeah, and that's the philosophy that we follow. And so, if you kind of adopt that philosophy, or if you do adopt that philosophy of the missionary, where you're saying discipleship precedes conversion, you're teaching someone what it looks like to follow Jesus uh, by the way you live your life. Then, as we meet with these young men, these young women, and the young moms, um, we are aware keenly aware that we're communicating the gospel even though we may be talking about something as practical as a budget um, something like you know working through workplace conflict uh, getting an education um, how to manage an apartment lease yeah um, how to avoid banking fees you know all the stuff that we we teach uh, we understand you know that our, our motto at mission Amarillo is loving our neighbor equipping for life mm-hmm. and we feel like if we love our neighbor, you know, it's hard to love somebody and not care about what they're going through. Yeah. So if you love their, your neighbor, uh, you're going to want to help them with some of these practical things in life. And, you know, you one of the things that I've become more and more aware of is I, the more I do this, is how you're able to apply the gospel in ways that you never thought that you yeah. can talk about uh, on a budget you know, man, if you want to help somebody, save your money up. And then when you have a little bit of extra money, you can help somebody like you've been, like we've helped you. And uh, it's just one of those things where you communicate the gospel through through very practical ways where we're not talking in cliches or colloquialisms or, or, um, you know, you know, feel good mannerisms of the church. We're actually on the ground making uh, progress and trying to teach them what it looks like to follow Jesus.
0: Yeah, like, you know, on a Sunday morning, uh, we're all in our comfy pews at church, and um, we're told that we should, you know, love and uh, exemplify Jesus to our neighbors and to our communities, and I think that it's not always shown in that way of, you know, being, you know, well, being kind or, or, you know, being nice and friendly, but you know, how would Jesus have had approached this in today's world is almost how it seems that you guys kind of operate is how would Jesus do this? You know, it's, you're not just giving biblical teaching and here's a, a Bible lesson on how to deal with X, Y, or Z it's real world applications to, um, you know, provide, uh, I mean real like with the mentorship. And I really love that the, like the teen moms and the parenting, how to give good parenting behavior models how to um or like you're talking about budgeting just real world applications to um set them up like you said set them up for life i I think that's what i think that that like you said opens doors for uh, later on down the road maybe um like the kids with the christian counselors or maybe you get to meet up with them again share the gospel or explain why you're doing this or anything but it's not a um, let me bring you the Bible as a solution for your lack of money. Um, you know, <laughs> I always hate right. that when it comes to mission work in communities is people like to go and try to spread the gospel, which is great and evangelize, but you're missing, like some people don't care to hear about that. They they are, they don't have food or they don't have, right. you know, their house is falling apart or they, they're behind on bills, things like that. Um, I think this is something that, I wish that doesn't ask you like uh, I wish all of our churches in town could get involved with this to help it. Uh, I mean, to grow it just because it's a it's a different model of, of mission work that you don't see very often. Um, I know we have a downtown women's center that kind of does that kind of idea, but there's not very many like um, Christian focused organizations that do non Christian related resource help. You know what I mean? Did that yeah, make and, sense? And see,
1: I think that's where, I think the reason is, is because so many of them don't see the everyday life as something no. that is, um, uh, the Christian should be trying to almost participate in, I guess, for sure. lack of a better word. We've yeah. secu- we, we've created this uh, sacred secular divide. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with that sacred secular divide is that we we tend to separate our lives that way, too. And so yeah. when we're at work, we're not cognizant of the fact that by the way we do our job and the way we treat other people at work, that we're teaching people what it looks like to follow Jesus. What we do through mentoring is basically just part of an overall philosophy of life that God has sent us to where we work, live, and play. Yep. And so if you're working a secular job, um, you know that job is just as sacred as a pastor. Yeah. Uh, because God has sent you there. There's no such thing as an unsent Christian. We're all sent to where we work, live, and play to make disciples. Yeah. So where you're working, you are able to uh, communicate the gospel and teach people what it looks like to follow Jesus by the way you do your job, by the way you handle problems there, by the way you deal with people at your work, um, You know, by the way you participate in the hobbies that you have, whether it's mountain biking or playing softball or whatever the uh, hobby is that you like to do. Um, by the way you live in your neighborhood and the way you treat your neighbors and the care that you show for your neighbors, yeah. you're teaching people what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so when you do that, you, when you have an overall philosophy like that, it is eventually going to seep its way into the everyday things of life. Yeah, uh, And that's why we, we've adopted the, the mission statement we have of loving our neighbor, equipping for life, because the people that we deal with have very real needs. Uh, We could go in and just try to do Bible studies with them. But if we're not helping them try to get an education, if we're not helping them uh, become a better parent. If we're not uh, helping them, you know, navigate an apartment lease or avoid banking fees or whatever it is uh, that we're trying to do, uh, some of the family dynamics and issues and problems there that they have or help them help these girls better understand the changes that are happening to their bodies after they have a baby. And some of the, you know, navigating postpartum depression and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, if we weren't, you know, when you have a philosophy that God has sent us everywhere we go to show people what it looks like to follow Jesus, then these things just kind of come as a natural um, uh, byproduct of that. Yeah. And so, these are the things that we believe that Christians should be doing and would be doing if uh, they're being taught that they are making disciples wherever they go, rather than kind of the the church model that. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with the church models that we have. It's just that the concept has become very consumeristic to where we're trying to meet the expectations of the people in the pews rather than equip them to go out and make disciples. Yeah. And that's kind of where the breakdown has occurred in the current model of church. And that's where our kind of philosophy of ministry derives from is that we believe that everybody's sent. And when you believe that everybody's sent, then it impacts every aspect of your life, especially when it gets down to these, these very practical things that it takes just to be able to live. It's hard to tell somebody about Jesus, but they don't know where the where the next meal's coming from. Or it's hard yeah. to tell somebody about Jesus if if you know I haven't been sleeping at night because my toddler's up or my my newborn's up all night. What's going on? And having a, a mom who has had a you know has kids explain to this young lady what's going on. Uh, when you do those things for them, it makes them much more likely to listen to the gospel uh, if you show them the love of Christ first. And so. Yeah. That's kind of our you know thought process is we're living out the great commandment, uh, so that we can live out the great commission.
0: Yeah. And you look at like, uh, all the missionaries in Africa, I know that they always go over there with some kind of, um, you know, door opener where, whether it's bringing, you know, the wells of water or, um, I know they they do medical things there like medical tents to, to provide medical aid to these people that don't have easy access to it. And that's their, um, their way of getting into the door of being able to share the good news. And why are we not doing that here? Why do we not go to our neighbor and offer to help them with, uh, whatever they're needing and being a, just a friend and, and treating them with that respect of, I'm, you know, sh- of showing that love because then that's when it, uh, it engages, you know what I mean? You interact with them in a way that says, uh, I'm just treating you like, a." another person and you're in need and I'm going to help you out. Not because I'm going to gain anything from it, but just to help mm-hmm. you. And I think that, you know, churches teach that you should go out, but they, they don't teach Maybe I shouldn't say not all, but it's not, um, always, uh, popular to teach of, of going and being a neighbor. They always teach the witnessing, or bringing people Mm -hmm. to church. And, and I was never a big fan of witnessing because I don't like talking to people. You know, I don't like going up randomly to strangers and saying, do you know Jesus? Uh, You know, I mean, it it works. It's (laughs) it's for some people. um, Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's, they, they, I don't think they'll really care if they're sitting here going, dude, I just, I'm hungry. I just want some food. Uh (laughs) So, and
1: I think also when you, uh, we've, we've, gotten the cart before the horse a lot. Yeah. Uh we we want to get him saved and then make him a disciple. But when you look at the way that Jesus did it, yeah um yeah. you know you ask yourself when would when the disciples fully realize what they when did they actually become born-again believers? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you can make a pretty strong case that it wasn't until after the resurrection. Yeah. Uh Jesus spent three and a half years with a bunch of guys that are pretty clueless because on their way into Jerusalem on his triumphal entry, entry right before that happens, they're arguing amongst themselves which one of them is going to be the greatest. And so yeah. they really didn't get it even up to that point. And, you know, Jesus spent three and a half years living his life with them, teaching them how to walk and and how to interact with people and how to live out the kingdom of God in front of nonbelievers. And so if you really follow the model that Jesus used, uh, it's going to involve living life with someone living in community with with people um i also lead a house church here out of my home uh me and another yeah. my wife and i and another couple and we really try to work on living in community because we feel like that's the best way to show people jesus right and <clears throat> dude it gets messy i mean we're going through right now we're going through one of the hardest times i've ever been through in ministry just dealing with people uh dealing with some of the problems and issues that can come up mm-hmm. uh and we ask god for give us people on the margins, give us people that, that are, are hurting and, and outcasts. And, yeah. uh, you know, I got 14 people in my church and five of them have some history of, of abuse in their background. Right. And that brings up different issues and problems that you got to work through. And so living in community really brings that out. And I think what's happened in the church is that we think living in communities, living in, uh, by affinity, I like to go mountain biking. So I'll go mountain biking with these guys. I like to play softball, so I'll play softball right. with these guys. And we think that that's community. right? And when all it is is really affinity, they like doing the same things I do. Mm-hmm. So I'll go do these things with them. And you're not really letting them into your life. And when you look at the example that Jesus said, it was living life with people. Yep. And the church lived in community in the early church. I mean, they were sharing each other's possessions and everything, as it says in the Acts chapter 2. right? And so... Um, I think that's kind of where the breakdown has occurred in the church. It's become more consumeristic than it is about a discipleship model where everyone are disciplers. And yeah. because of that, people have lost their, their original purpose. And so when it doesn't mean as much to them, uh, it, it it doesn't have the meaning and the depth to it that they're expecting. And it becomes hollow, hollow. And then next thing you know, they've fallen out of church because they're not, uh, what really walking in faith with someone to where when the hard times comes they can endure it
0: yeah it's very clicky churches are always clicky um, for yeah. sure um, the last church i was at was uh i went there because it felt so inviting and welcoming and after being there for a year it's just got too clicky and got too uh, i like these people and i like these you know don't like these or they're okay and we're just gonna hang out with the people that i have something something in common with um i i've always i've here i've learned lately that Christianity is not supposed to look, uh, you know, neat and proper. It's, it is messy and ministry is definitely messy. I learned that from my dad, you know, he was music minister for like 20 something years, but Christianity is supposed to be messy and we're supposed to, you know, help each other and lean on each other. And, you know, I, I, my philosophy lately has been, I'm not supposed to look perfect. You know, it's Christ, his perfectness is what I rely on. I don't rely on my perfectness and my ability. So if I'm messing up or if I'm dealing with, you know, some kind of struggle, I should be able to go to to you and tell you, and then it's messy and it's kind of ugly. And because the beauty of it is Christ, not us, you know, and we're supposed to be able to go to people who are dealing with worse or similar. You know, people that are in the world should not be dirty to us. I I think that's another Maybe that's a Baptist thing, (laughs) but you don't, you don't associate with those kind of people. Kind of maybe you'll tell them Jesus loves you, but I don't see that. I I don't feel like I see that enough of Christians actually fellowshipping with non-believers because of the uh, afraid of how it might look or, you know, what we're, we're not supposed to. And I know fellowship with believers and fellowship with non-believers, there's, there are people that nitpick about that biblically, but just in terms of considering them really good friends, you know, I mean, I, some of my, some of my better friends are, you know, the people I disagree with the most when it comes to mm-hmm. views. And yet they're better friends than some of my church friends. But uh, yeah. I think, I think it's missing in Christianity. It feels like today there's not enough community. It's too divided. And, um, yeah, yeah. But I really love yep, seeing uh practical, you know, ministry that is actual ministry, um but it's focused on helping people like legitimately, you know. I talked to um another there's a there's a a rescue house in Asia that does kind of the similar thing with like human trafficking. They go and rescue girls and then they give them education and skills and trade so that they can go off and have work and, you know, support themselves. And so kind of a similar idea or, or at least, um, approachment to ministry as mission Amarillo does is, you know, giving people what they need. So, but yeah. So is there anything like, um, coming up or anything? I know you mentioned the driven is going to be revamped in spring. Is there anything, uh, Christmas you guys do, uh, you said,
1: well, we used to do a Christmas store, but that became the the tail that wagged the dog. And uh, everybody's year in giving would go to that to that one store where we saw about 500 people for one that one day a yeah. year. And we thought we're kind of robbing the people that we minister to on a yearly, on a daily basis. Sure. And so we discontinued those so that we could put more focus on that. And so any Christmas stuff we do is focused on the people in our programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll, they'll we'll do some stuff like that, but there's not really any big events coming up. For that, um, we just this is the beginning of our our year. Our, our parent child plus director was in the office today, putting up all of her toys and all the books that she's going to give out through the year. Getting those yeah. on the shelves; those have just come in. Um, and uh, our beloved director is doing uh, a fellowship tonight called Belong, where she brings these ladies together. Uh, one of the reasons I'm passionate about this ministry to teen moms is uh your dad will remember that uh i was a teen parent me and my mm. wife i uh, was 19 she was 18 when we got married she was pregnant when yeah. we got married i wasn't a believer and uh, we uh we've been married ever since we became believers about five years later but um we realized really quickly when you have kids you lose your friends <laughs> and so one of the things we're doing with uh beloved yeah. is uh we do these belongs gatherings where they build fellowship with each other because now they've got their own community of people who understand them. Other teen moms that are going through some of the same thing. And uh, it's really, again, a discipleship model where the mentors come and they hang out with the ladies and they teach them different things. And the whole time they're teaching them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Right. And that's the whole goal of it is, is everything we do is based upon a discipleship model that teaches people what it looks like to follow Jesus, you know, we just kind of take it from there and let it roll.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really awesome. A really awesome uh, ministry going on here that I don't, I don't hear a lot of actually. And I, you know, I'll try to get that word spread a little bit more. How do, how do you guys get people involved? Is it um, based on you guys finding or people coming to you um, and asking?
1: It's usually people coming to us and say they want to be involved. I mean, we, you know, it's a internet world today. So we've got a big presence on social media. Um, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we have our website that, uh, you know, usually people don't go out to your website much anymore unless they're going to yeah. register for something or pay for something. Yeah. But uh, we try to keep a big social media presence. Yeah. Uh, our, inf- our website's just informational and everything about getting involved with us we try to do on social media. So we get a lot of people there. And then uh, we've built a good network of people, you know, with the schools or whatever. If I really get in need, I can send an email out to school counselors or social workers. Yeah. And that's a big network of people. And so they connect us with people that way. And so, um, you know, we're just finding that through the network of what we've been doing, we, we've got a relationship with Cal Farley's Boys Ranch in here where we've taken some of their oh, kids yeah. through the program.
0: Yeah, and that would be good. And so
1: we've got a good network there. Uh, Buckner's International, we've taken some of their kids through it. And so uh, we've just kind of built a network over the years where we can put those needs out there. And, uh, usually they get addressed, uh, through social media or just through the network of people that we've served and, and the network that we've built over the last 10 years.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, thanks Jeff for talking about this for a while and, uh, getting to, uh, get to know you a little bit. <laughs> like I said, sure. I, I was like, Oh, I know this guy he's my dad's friend, but, um, mm-hmm. but thank you for uh, joining me for a little bit and, um, getting to talk about this and, I hope uh, good more blessings for you guys coming up in the mission Amarillo. So
1: sure, man, Thank have you. a good rest Thanks of your for having
0: night. Me. Yeah. Wow. What a great way to serve the community and show them Jesus in a real world practical way. It's great to spread the gospel, but it's amazing to be able to meet someone's needs right then and there. It's like the old saying, you can feed a man fish or you can teach him to fish. And I think it goes hand in hand that like we talked about, when they meet their need physically or emotionally, whether it's with parenting or teaching the young men how to grow up and to be men, um, then you can start long-term relationships and be able to maybe uh, show them the gospel later on. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and maybe it inspires you to go and show the love of Christ to your neighbor in a way that maybe you didn't think about before. It's just about meeting people's needs. It's not always about telling them about Jesus. This is a good way to open that door. So this week, go out and show Just genuine love to your neighbors and to your community. Or like Jeff said, you're sent out wherever you are. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's uh, at your church even. I know it's a little bit cliche, but hearing this makes me feel like I can go out and do it. it and it puts it in a different perspective. So make sure to visit Mission Amarillo on Facebook tell them that you appreciate the work they do even though it's local Uh, tell them that uh, they inspired you to do it in your hometown and be sure to follow grace and fool on Facebook and Twitter so that you can know when the next episode comes out thanks for listening